How was it right this morning? Good. All right. Hey, Galatians chapter 6 is where we're going to be this morning, Galatians chapter 6. If you will, grab your Bibles and turn there. We're going to be specifically looking at verse 2 together in just a moment. Verse 2 in just a moment. Before we do, for our time of corporate prayer, I want to talk to you about what's happening here on campus. Wednesday night, it is our Faith Family Fellowship. We're incredibly excited about this. Uh, Throughout the history of Double Oak Community Church, on Wednesday nights, we've had an opportunity for discipleship together, and that's typically looked like uh, classes where we've engaged over a number of different topics, New Testament survey, Old Testament survey, really learned a lot of theology. It's been incredibly helpful and formative for a number of us. Um, One of the challenges that we've seen, however, is that on, sometimes on those Wednesday nights, it's really hard to get everybody together. Um, not only are we siloed in different ministries from preschool and kids and students and adults, but additionally, it's just really been a challenging time in a busy life cycle uh, and in a busy season for folks to get here on Wednesdays at a time where it kind of worked for everybody. We'd have a lot of folks that would come and be able to eat dinner and go to class, then folks that couldn't come to dinner and then would go to class or could come and eat dinner but then couldn't go to class. So we were just all kind of passing each other like ships in the night, and we were thinking, hey, what does it look like to really engage the community and do something that would be beneficial so that we could connect? So here's the interesting thing about who we are in the life of our church. We are five years in as a campus which is nuts to think that it's been five years since we started worshiping in the elementary school back in 2018. There are several people that are still here from those days and also tons of folks that are new uh, that are just now either coming to experience the church this, like, Today, like brand new visitors coming today, and then folks that have just been here for a little while. We wanted to really create an opportunity for people to connect and fellowship and know one another. So the Faith Family Fellowship was born. This is Wednesday night from 6 to 8 p.m. It's just a night for us to do focus on two very specific things. One, the fellowship aspect of just really connecting with one another. I know so many mornings there's opportunities in between service to talk, but if you're not here for both hours, sometimes you just come in, you come to worship, you come to service. And then you leave and then you're gone. You didn't really connect with anybody, you didn't really interact with anybody, you didn't really get, find a way to get connected to community. This is going to be an avenue to do that, to get to know other people in the body. Additionally, uh, it's a really good chance to let people come and not feel the uh, the burden of kind of being tied down to a certain time. If you can get here at six o'clock, awesome. That's fantastic. Some of you folks might say, hey, I'm coming from downtown or I'm driving or we got to take our kid to a practice or a game or we've got something like that. We can't like, look, then come at 730. Like, just get here whenever you can and come and eat and fellowship uh, with our folks. We're going to have food from LEBs, Wasabi One, Word of Mouth Barbecue, really, really good food. And here's the other thing. We want to use events like this as an opportunity to let people know about who God is and what he's done for us in Jesus Christ. I love Jesus. I think you do as well, right? We want to tell people about Jesus, right? How good are we at doing that? Uh, Not so much is what I'm hearing, right? Look, I think so often we fail to see the opportunities in something very simple like this. Man, this is a great way to, if, if you want to invite your neighbor ultimately to come to know the Lord, awesome. Let's start with this. Invite him to come eat dinner. Invite him to come get to know our church. Invite him to spend time with us and and build a relationship so that you can have a gospel influence and presence in their life. It's a really good opportunity for you to do that. It's going to be uh, all ages, all together. Um, Here's what I did earlier. I kind of failed to remember uh, to help people realize one important thing. Um, I would bring a, a, a chair, a portable chair to this. Uh, we've got curb, and I think it's as nice as any curb that's around. 
Um, <laughs> but it is not softer than any curve around. It's actually just as hard as all the other curves. So uh, you're going to want to bring a chair or a blanket or, or something uh, to, to sit on. We're going to be out here in the parking lot. It's going to be a ton of fun. We look forward to you joining us. Here's what I'd love for us to pray for in respect to this. Number one, I pray for deepening of fellowship in the life of our church. I want us to pray together this morning that we would grow closer to one another, that we would know one another more deeply. And second, I would pray that people in this community would see us in this parking lot, spending time together, loving on each other, connecting with one another, and say, I wonder what that's about. I want to go be a part of that too, right? Let this be an opportunity, not just for us to enjoy one another. Yes, also that, but, but far be it for it to be just that. We need to hope and pray that God is going to draw other people to be a part of this church and this place to worship him in spirit and truth. So if you will, by your heads, let's pray together for these two things this morning, and then we'll jump in. Heavenly Father, we have the opportunity this morning to come before you and ask that you would go before us in a night where we just long to deepen, Father, relationships with one another. Father, over the course of five years, We've had incredible brothers and sisters that have been here, and now you've called to different places, folks, that you're now just drawing to this place. God, would you create in us an opportunity to deepen fellowship, to know one another more, to share in life, to share in spiritual gifts, to connect with one another, to build relationships with one another. God, as as we seek to to dine and enjoy good food and spend time together, Father, the most important thing, Father, is that, that we are celebrating and glorifying you. And so, Father, I pray that you would grow us as we do that together. Second, Father, we just pray that you would draw people to this place. This is your church. We are the people that you've called to be a part of this body to glorify you and exalt your son Jesus in this area. And so, Father, I just pray that you would bring folks in our community and Chelsea and the surrounding areas that are looking for a church. Father, they're looking for hope, that ultimately are looking for life in you. Would you draw them here? Would you allow this to be something we can bring our friends and neighbors and coworkers and others to to help them experience who you are? God, I pray that you'll do these two things. God, for our good and for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Galatians chapter 2, or 6 rather, is where we're going to be today. Chapter 6 and verse uh, 2 is going to be the focus of where we are today. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2, uh, as we talk about ultimately fulfilling the law of Christ through love. Um, I want to tell you about an experience I had uh, with a friend recently. Um, Myself and some guys in our community group have a buddy that's in our community group with us, and he is a part of this workout group that does this amazing thing. They meet together at the elementary school here in Chelsea, at Chelsea Park Elementary, at 5.30 every Friday morning to exercise, to work out. Now, as appealing as that sounds to most of us, uh, it's not something I'd really considered or thought about before. Exercise, yes. 5.30 a.m., no, not so much. Uh, he and his friends were holding this competition where there's other competing groups in the area that, that work out as well. And they said, hey, we're, we're trying to get new folks to come and experience this. Would you come? I know you're not going to come all the time probably, but would you come this one time? And so I said, yes, I love you. I will come this one time to this. I will at least promise that. So we get up and we go. 
uh, my guys, community group guys and I, we go 5.30 in the morning. Uh, and this is why I urge you to bring a chair uh, on Wednesday night. We got down and we started at 5.30 in the morning. I, I literally turn off the lights in the car and I watch guys just start doing jumping jacks. We're, we're just kind of starting to get warmed up. I'm like, yeah, I can hang with this, right? The next thing you know, we got 20 minutes of all these random assorted body weight exercises that are just happening on concrete. Just like in the parking lot on the concrete. Um, I think these people don't care about their joints. That's okay. Um, look, I thought I was going to be okay. And then we entered the running portion of the workout, uh, which was my least favorite, I think. Uh, ran around the school in all these sprints, sprint to the front of the line, all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, and had a ton of fun doing that. One of our community group dudes threw up where the buses pull in in the afternoons. That was pretty great. Um, did not love the running part, thought we were done. And then we got to the next part of the workout, which was this truck, which had a trailer on it with all of these logs in the truck. The guy that's leading the workout instructs us to grab a log. Now, when I think of a log, I think of a piece of wood that is cut, that, you know, is, you know, like a log on the fire, right? Like that kind of log. This guy thought log meant stump. Because what each person had to grab was not a log. It was actually this cut portion of a tree. That's what we grabbed. Then we carried it from the elementary school up the hill to where kind of the hill crest above the swimming pool. And then we entered what would ultimately be the final portion of the workout, which was you take this log and you walk down this power line trail. down there And you carry the log above your head the whole time. I'm holding it like this because the log is shaped like a stump, all right? You, you walk down the hill, and then you walk back up, and then your partner had their turn to walk down the hill with the log stump over their head, right? And I don't know about you, but if you just hold your hands like this, just air. I mean, if you just hold air for a while, your shoulders will hurt, okay? But when you're holding this stump over your head and walking down this treacherous trail where there's rock and gravel and it's downhill and then you got to walk it back uphill, it's pretty tiring. We got paired up with a partner that would swap out with us once we got to the top. I think this guy's name is Josh. I don't remember because, in all honesty, I don't ever want to see him in that context ever again. But the thing that I did love about Josh, and especially that day, was that Josh lightened the load for me. Because when I got to the top of the hill with the stump, it was his turn to walk down the hill with a stump and back up with it. I had this immediate reprieve of rest. All of this load that was on me was suddenly released. It was overwhelmingly joyful. My favorite part of the workout was the non-workout, right? Here's the thing. You and I carry heavy loads, burdens, things that we bear, things that rest upon us. And today, as Paul writes to the church of Galatia, we're going to see what he describes not just for these believers, but for all of us and the ways that you and I are called to do what Josh did for me, to give me some rest, to lighten my load, to make the burden, the thing that I'm carrying, less heavy. It's of vital importance to the Christian life, and it's something that God has called us to. Let's look this morning to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2. Before we do, we're going to see three very specific things in this text. Number one, 
We are called to lighten the load for others. We're called to lighten the load for others, to come alongside one another and bear burdens. But we cannot do that if we don't know what those burdens are. So it's incredibly important for us as believers, number two, to detect the burden. What is the burden that another brother or sister is bearing? What is that weight that they're carrying? What is that thing that is upon them that we can share in? But even that is impossible if we don't look beyond ourselves. So number three, we have to be a part of discovering one another. Really looking and seeing that the Christian life is not just about my own personal individual relationship with Jesus. Is that vitally important? Of course. But it doesn't stop there because when I'm a part of the family of God, when I've trusted in Jesus and repented of my sins and believed the gospel, I'm now a part of a family. And it's not just me. I'm meant to see myself as a part of the body of one another. We've got to be in the, in the place where we discover one another. So, these three things, that we would lighten the load, that we would detect the burden of others, and that we would discover one another. Those are the three things we hope to see today in the text. This is Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. It says this. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. This is the word of the Lord to which we say, thanks be to God. I wanted to read the surrounding passage, but in so many ways, the best way to describe all of the context of this is just the book of Galatians. What's happening in the book of Galatians is Paul writing to this church and this group of churches that essentially are, are struggling because some people have crept in and ultimately said there are more things to this Jesus thing than just Jesus. You know there's laws, you know there's rules, you know there's things that we're called to do moral things that we need to do, and some of them are, are wildly helpful and ultimately point to Jesus, like the Torah, the law of Moses, these types of things that, that God has given his people for good, that ultimately their sin might be revealed and Christ might be seen as Savior, the one who is needed, the one who could come to redeem. As these people are struggling in these churches with, with this idea of, of all of these extra things they're being asked to do by this group of people called the Judaizers, Paul writes Galatians to tell them very specifically that there is no other gospel other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus' perfect, sinless life, his atoning, redemptive death, and his glorious bodily resurrection through which we can have a relationship with God. Paul says, that's it. That's all there is. But it takes him a while to convey this, and he does it in some very particular ways. So in chapters 1 through 5, he's really giving a theology of what it means to live in Christ. And he describes the fact that we're no longer under the curse of the law, that law that reveals our brokenness, and yet instead we are freed to walk in the Spirit. In so many ways, he succinctly describes what the Christian life looks like in Galatians 2.20. And he says, ultimately, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He says that this is righteousness. Not my righteousness, but I rest in the righteousness of Jesus who died for me. Jesus who has indwelled me with the Holy Spirit. And now I live and walk by the Spirit in life. 
So I'm not beholden to, to all of these extra rules and morals and things that are being thrust upon me. My righteousness comes from Christ. What Paul is very quick to say, however, is that there are still moral obligations and things Christians are called to live in and do as they walk by the Spirit, but it comes truly only by walking in the Spirit. And what he calls it is this. He uses this phrase and he says, the law of Christ. There's really only one other place it's used, and it's 1 Corinthians chapter 9, but even there the context is a little bit different. What Paul is saying in this moment when he says the law of Christ, he's basically saying to a group of people who are so desirous, so obsessed with following the law, he says, all right, you want to follow the law, then you follow this law. This is the law you follow. It's the law of Jesus, which is the law of love. The law of rest, the law of trust in Christ's justification, not your own. That you're justified only by what Jesus has done for you, not what you attempt to do for yourself. That's it. And so as Paul says this, hopefully these hearers are coming to a place where they recognize, oh, it's Jesus and Jesus alone. Okay, well... What does that look like? Well, here in this one verse, you and I get a massive picture of what it looks like to fulfill the law of Christ. And Paul says it in this simple way. He says, bear one another's burdens. This is what it looks like to fulfill that law, is to bear one another's burdens. What does that mean? Well, to go back to the original language, that word bear means to carry or ultimately to put upon oneself something to be carried. Putting upon oneself something to be carried. This is like your buddy you just met taking on a stump for you. All right? This is somebody taking a load that belonged to you and putting it on them. That word for burden there, it means heaviness, it means a weight, it means a trouble. Now, you and I know. That life is full of those. On some level, I would imagine you walked into this place today with some of those very burdens. Things that weigh on you. Things that are heavy. Things that are, 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 are even the good things that just come with a weight of responsibility and challenge in life. You and I are meant to fulfill the law of Christ. To demonstrate the love of Jesus as we help one another by bearing those burdens, bearing those loads for each other. You and I ought to be lightening loads for one another. What does that look like? Number one, practically, it does look like praying for one another. Genuinely praying for one another. Paul would say to all of those folks he writes to in all these epistles, that prayer is not a little thing, it's actually a very big thing. And he's desirous that they pray for him in his circumstances. Go look to the end of each of his letters and he'll say it. Pray for me. Pray for us. He'll give very specific instructions about what he needs and ask that, that his brothers and sisters will pray for him. Prayer, vastly important. There are also other things that we can do for one another that lighten the load. Like genuinely lighten the load. I don't know about you, but every time I've ever gotten a note of encouragement from someone, it has lightened the load of whatever I'm walking through. Extending hospitality, opening your home, inviting people in for a meal, just trying to connect with somebody is a way to lighten the load for people. Here's why hospitality builds relationships and relationships bear burdens. You want to bear burden for others? 
You do. We're called to. The, the scriptures instruct us to do this. If we're going to do that, we've got to be hospitable to one another. We can also lend a helping hand. We have, I, th- I think this, after discovering at the 9 a.m. service, another beautiful baby that's here. I think we've got four or five babies that are, have been born uh, in the church in the last month or so. That's incredible. These new moms are going to be overwhelmed at times. It would be incredible not just to take them a meal, but find out a way you could help them get some time for themselves. Maybe you want to come alongside a family and babysit. Maybe you want to come and minister to a young family like that in a different way. I would encourage you to seek out ways to do that. Maybe there are people that just have a physical need. Maybe there's somebody that's a widow in our church that needs their lawn mowed. And that's a practical, helpful way of doing that. What about somebody who's looking for employment? Or an opportunity to change career fields. And there are folk, those of us that can help them, connect them to folks, and help them with that. Lending a helping hand is a way to lighten the load. Here's the thing. You know all that stuff. You get it. That's not a new concept. But we got to remember that we're commanded to lighten the load of others. How do we get to that place where we can help lighten the load? Well, First, we really have to detect the burden. And I don't know about you, but I'm pretty good at hiding burdens in my life or shielding you from thinking that I don't have stuff that I can't really deal with very well. It's very easy for us to seem as if we don't need help. I'm horrible at this. I'm like, I'm 40 years into this life, and I'm just now figuring out how bad I am at this. That I don't want people's help. I don't want them to help me a lot of the time. You know where it comes from? This is not super fun to say out loud. It comes from this place where I don't want you to see how needy I am. I don't want you to see that, like, I don't have it all figured out. I don't want you to see that there's stuff in my life that's that's broken and messed up too. I bet you were the same way. Do you know how hard it is in the modern age to have real dynamic relationships in the world that we're in? It is pretty challenging. Here's how I found this out. I've been doing some research uh, and have been reading about this for a while. But there is reputedly, and at least stated in this way through a number of outlets and a number of studies, an epidemic of loneliness in the United States. And this is what that epidemic looks like. All of these studies and this research have been done, U.S. News World Report, to to just all kinds of scientific outlets, they all really kind of come to the same place, finding that even before the COVID-19 pandemic, about half, Half of United States adults reported experiencing measurable levels of loneliness. That's wild, right? We're the most connected society in history. And yet half of Americans are reporting that they're lonely. In just the past few decades, we've lived through a dramatic pace of change. We move more, we change jobs more often, we're living with technology that has profoundly changed how we interact with each other and how we talk to each other. And I pulled this quote from the article because it's one of the most powerful things I've read in a long time. It says this, and you can feel lonely even if you have a lot of people around you because loneliness is about the quality of your connections, not the quantity. Here's what I'd like to demonstrate here. Ultimately, 
we really struggle to share our needs with others. We really do. Just as much a struggle in others sharing their needs with us. Christians are not immune to this. We're a part of this body that God's given us, and yet so many of us, I think, are really lonely. Like, really lonely. You might say, well, that's not possible. How can I be lonely, Michael? I have all these connections. I don't know about you, but like, you go through your cell phone, I bet you have a thousand contacts. Maybe more, maybe 2,000 contacts. All these people that you've talked to, like from high school, and then like that person you bought something from Facebook Marketplace last week, right? Like you got their number two. And it just runs this, the gamut, this giant spectrum of all of, these, all of these contacts you have, all these connections that you have. But what about not the quantity, but the quality of your connections? This is why we so desperately long for people to be a part of community groups, to have real dynamic relationships with other believers so they can share their stories and really get to a place where they can bear one another's burdens where you can break down that wall or that facade of, you know, I don't have it all together. And yeah, the prayer need is deeper than my aunt's second cousin's dog, you know, has a hemorrhoid, right? Like we've all been, we've all been there in church where that, like we said, this is what's going on. There's more things going on. How do we get to that place where we share these things with one another? Man, we've got to detect the needs of others. We've got to realize that we are people that are in need. Philippians 2, 3 and 4, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Entering into dynamic relationships with other believers, with other brothers and sisters, and getting to a place where you can detect what's going on in someone's life, where you can see it. Like we can watch and see somebody physically that's carrying a heavy load and we can come alongside them and help them emotionally spiritually it's a lot tougher to see how are we going to get to that place where we detect the needs that others have i want to share with you this from uh this is a at this point goodness gracious a 30 year old 40 year old sermon um, from john piper called the law of christ and this quote is so powerful he says this He says, some of you wonder what you're supposed to do with your life. Here's a vocation that will bring you more satisfaction than if you became a millionaire ten times over. Develop the extraordinary skill for detecting the burdens of others and devote yourself daily to making them lighter. He says, you want to know what to do with your life? You want a job? It's going to bring you joy and satisfaction like you wouldn't believe, more than if you were 10 times a millionaire. He says it's this, detect the needs of others and seek and find ways to lighten their load. This is our job. This is what we're called to. This is a holy vocation to look to the needs of others around us. So that we can help lighten their load and thus love one another in in such a way that the law of Christ is fulfilled. Finally, 
If I want to get to the place where I'm lightening the load for another brother or sister, if I'm going to get to the place where I detect a burden, I first have to discover them. I have to discover the one another. Do you know that 59 times throughout Scripture you're going to get this phrase, one another? There are all these one another's in Scripture. We're meant to be a body. We're meant to engage one another and experience one another and live the Christian life together, not just in some silo. I've gotten to this place where it breaks my heart thinking about the idea, and I'm trying to correct myself because I, 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 I use this language so, so poorly at times. Um, I, I just really dislike it when we say, go to church. It just oh, it makes me so sad now that we would say, go to church. You might say, well, that's, that's a weird phrase to be upset about go to church, but I, I think largely we're missing the point of what the church is. This is not just an event. Like every other thing, like we just go to Publix or we go to the ball field or we go to work or we go to the game. No, no, no. We don't go to the church. We go worship with the church. You're the church. Not this building, not this place. When I come to a place where I continually think that church is an event or it's just something that I come to, I now see it as something highly individual and I don't see you. I'm failing to discover you. I'm failing to recognize that I'm just a part of you. And that this experience that we have on Sunday mornings together is not I come in and I get my cup of coffee and I come and sit in my seat and I worship and then I say hey to a few people because I'm forced to because you guys still have that thing called the greeting time and I wish you would get rid of it, right? And then I, and then I worship and then I leave. No. This is a body. This is a family. We're meant to see one another for who we really are. This is why Paul, although he's doing it with, with a pen, right? He's screaming at the church in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he's like, you guys don't get it. It doesn't matter who has what gift. No one person has all of them. You all need each other. You're a body. You're meant to be together, to worship together, to live together, to function together under Christ the head. You and I are meant to bear one another's burdens, but we can't lighten the load. We can't detect what those burdens are even if we don't get outside ourselves and say, man, when I come to worship, I've got to discover that this is not just this thing for me. This is this thing for us. The church isn't a place that I come to. It's a people to which I belong. There's a big difference. John Scott Stott describes it this way, and he describes the importance of relationships. He says this, God's comfort was not given to Paul through his private prayer and waiting upon the Lord, but through the companionship of a friend and through the good news which he brought. Human friendship in which we bear one another's burdens is part of the purpose of God for his people. So we should not keep our burdens to ourselves, but rather seek a Christian friend who will help bear them with us. Do you know the things that you're walking through, the things that you're going through? God will, will meet you in prayer, yes. You wait on him, and he will answer, yes. 
But in His providence, He has given us each other to walk through the Christian life with. You and I are not an island unto our spiritual selves. We're meant to be in relationship with one another. In a moment, our worship team is going to come and we're going to close, but before we do, I, I just can't help but think about what it's like to go to a funeral. You know, you go to a funeral and you hear, as a part of the eulogy, you typically hear like the obituary. We used to, get the, we used to read them in the paper. Remember when we got papers? These things were in the back were called obituaries, right? And it was a, it was a list, more than a list, it was just a kind of a, a, a detailed picture of a person's life. It would be where they where they were born, where they lived, where they went to school, all the things that they had done and accomplished. That was the list portion. It was all, like, this, is, this is what this person's life was like and, and then who they're survived by and all those different types of things, right? I've been to a bunch of funerals, but I have never, I, I couldn't recall any of those things from that list of all of these grand things this person had accomplished. Couldn't tell you one. But I've been to funerals where I've heard things that will never leave me. Things like when a granddaughter would say, describe how her grandmother paid for her education. Things about how someone would say of their father that the way that they learned to love their spouse and love their children and, 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 and be who they are is because of the burdens that their dad carried for them. For all of the things that we are known by, far be it that it would be our accomplishments or the stuff that we do, but instead how we fulfill the law of Christ by loving one another, by bearing one another's burdens. Let that be a legacy. Let that be the picture of who we are. I, I, I want to be so brutally honest with you and tell you that I'm probably like almost everybody I know that has gone to seminary on some level. Um, like I, I was called to ministry late in high school, did undergrad, felt called to come home and work and just be a part of a church for a while. Me and I got married, went to seminary in 2011, finished in 2014. And when I finished seminary, the first thing I wanted more than anything was just a job because we really wanted to eat. We were super passionate about that. But then beyond that, I think I wanted what I, almost everybody I knew that I'd undergone all this theological training with wanted. They wanted to do this big thing for God, this amazing big thing for God. For some, that was, it was the next degree. For some, it was, I, I want to have this incredible giant ministry. For some, it was like, I want to I preach to this many people, and I want to grow the church this big, and I want to do all this stuff. Ten years into ministry almost, and you know what? I'll, I want more than anything. What want vocation to be is to love you. And when I say you, I don't mean the proverbial you. I mean like actually you. This church, these people, you. That's not a little thing. That's a big thing. I want to bear your burdens and I want you to bear mine. I want to walk alongside one another in this mutual reciprocity of just love where we experience Christ through one another. 
where I bring you a meal and you pray for my family. Where we experience the goodness of God in the simplest of ways. Because when we do those little things, we're actually doing the biggest thing. We're fulfilling the law of Christ. And we're showing everybody around us that all of our hope and joy and love and peace is bound up in not what we do for ourselves, not what we make of ourselves, but what Christ has done for us. Amen? So this week, this is the challenge, little things. Little things. Little things like looking outside yourself. Detecting the needs, discovering the need that someone around you has. And then practically figuring out what it looks like to lighten their load. You might say, well, that doesn't that feel really big. That feels like really normal. Well, then let's normalize fulfilling the law of Christ. That's a huge thing. Do the little things. And God, by His Spirit, ultimately is doing it all anyway. People will see Jesus in you. They'll be encouraged. They'll be loved. And people will be drawn to faith in Him. If you will, bow your heads and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, would you cause us to be a people that bears the burdens of others? That looks not only to our own interests, but the interests of others, the needs of others. We look beyond ourselves. We see ourselves not as an individual, Father, but as part of your body. Longing to see and discover needs and then meet those needs. To lighten the load for brothers and sisters. And God, I pray that not only will we be encouraged and fulfilled, but ultimately, Father, that others will see that love and be drawn to you. We cannot describe how great you are, God, and all that you've done for us. But we can say this. We know that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And that is our hope and our peace. We ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.